Hi, friends. Welcome to Deep Dive, my brand new podcast born from a desire for critical thought, vulnerability, and awareness. I'm your host, Dana Falsetti, a thinker, a writer, a yoga teacher, an activist, an authenticity agent. Each month, you'll hear from me and my guests, ranging from iconic disruptors to everyday people, all candidly sharing our personal experiences on topics ranging from sexuality to social justice and consciousness to capitalism. Deep Dive is a space to tackle hard-hitting questions and controversial topics in a raw, empathetic, and curious way. And it's my space to rant and ramble freely, no holding back. Let's dive in. Welcome, everybody, back to Deep Dive. Thank you for tuning in today. I have a friend with me who is sort of a new friend I have not met in person yet, but that's like sort of the story of most of my friendships as of the last few years. Um, I have Sina with me, who is someone that I started interacting with through Instagram a few months ago when I kind of like circled back, but in a more low-key way um, and just like looking for new avenues for expression for myself. And one of them that I talked about in the last podcast actually with my friend Kiko um, is sort of sensual and sexual exploration, um, kink world, all of those things. So I'm kind of moving in that direction and just starting to follow some new accounts and, and gain some insights. And I love um, what you're doing specifically because I've found, and not surprising at all, that it's been really hard to find other people of size, other fat people, whatever you um, are comfortable with. Yeah, um, either one of those me. Yeah, in the kink world, in the rope world, um, BDSM world, and it's not just fat people. Like I'm scrolling accounts trying to find people of color, trying to find people of size, and finding that like a lot of the community is representative of um sort of like the lack of visibility that exists everywhere. So that's what first drew me to you and then connecting with people who you were connecting with because I, I felt like, oh, Sina gets it. <laughs> so <laughs> I'd love to just hear, but before we get to that, I'd love to hear about your, just like how did any of this start for you? Like when did your rope journey start um, and just kind of what led up to that? So it's actually a pretty funny story. Um I didn't even jump into rope knowing what it was. I was kind of trolling through this swingers website um, as this just like little unicorn and trying to, you know, get into some trouble as one does. And I met my then like would be partner. Um, it was him and his girlfriend and their profile just stuck out to me. He had pictures of her tied up and in all these weird positions. And I was so confused yet so intrigued. And so I would send these like little messages and be like, Oh, that's nice. Like, that's kind of cool. And um, it turned into, he was like, well, do you want to try it? Or are you just going to creep on the internet forever? And I was like, yeah, no, we can do that too. And I broke every dating rule that you could. And I just went to his house one night at like eight o'clock. I had never met him in person. Um, he's about twice my age. Also, he was just this hot kind of daddy silver fox. And yeah. I was just way into it. And um, that night he had this tripod in his living room. So like the second I walked into his house, it was just this contraption. And I was like, oh, this, I'm going to become a murder story now. Like they're going to write a movie about this. Um, 
and he tied me up and we did lots of kind of filthy things and I <laughs> loved it. I was completely infatuated with everything about it and um, from then on I don't think either one of us expected it to go where it was but we just completely fell in love with each other and uh, we were together for two years before he moved away but as I kind of explored my rope journey as long along with my polyamory journey um, as soon as I started reaching out to ask other riggers to tie me I slowly figured out that not everybody is this confident little chubby 20 year old at the time. You know, I had no fears because I had never been told I was inadequate. And so the first time I got turned away for my body, I was in shock and I just went to my partner and I was like, why would anybody say this? Like, I'm really great at this. It makes no sense. And he was just like, okay, little one, like, welcome to the real world. You know, these things are going to happen in and out of the kink world. And so it was a very rude awakening, but it also just kind of, I found my platform. I feel like I found my voice and I knew I had to speak up because I wasn't just going to sit down and take these cis men being cruel to me because I was a bigger gal and that it took a little more rope and a little more effort. So I just, I kind of yelled from the rooftop and it became this whole thing now. And here we are. Yeah, no, totally. I'm in agreement about all of that. I'm like very new in my um, rope journey, but can see very clearly even just reflected on social media, um, everything that you're talking about. So when you had that first experience, well, so first of all, when you engage in rope play, is it, because I know some people, for some people, it's sort of strictly, um, there's no sexual play. Other people prefer to be tied for sexual play. Um, others like maybe falling somewhere in between. Um, how do you feel about that? So my first experience that first night um, with my partner that I got tied up, I was naked and I got fucked and I had a vibrator tied to me and it was <laughs> it was <laughs> the most sexual experience I had ever had in my life. Yeah. That was probably the moment where I was like, I've been having really shitty sex. Like, this is what good sex is and I just kind of like get a little freaky. Yeah. And so when I got into tying with other people more and eventually learning to tie other people, I was very much taken back that it was like this platonic art form, um, which I respect and I honor and I, uh, I do now. But at the end of the day, for me, rope is a love language and it is how I can physically communicate with someone's body and almost kind of just like bend and break somebody but also have just this like amazing sexual encounter. So I feel very lucky that I have both sides of it and I can turn it off and I can turn it on really quickly. Mm -hmm. But for some people I know, like, you know, pants on the whole time and that's it, which I I respect. But like I said, I am a freak at heart. And so any chance I get to um, be be an exhibitionist, (laughs) a voyeur, um, a masochist, one of everything. That's what I am. (laughs) Totally. Yeah, no. And it's just, I wanted to address it too, because I feel like there's such um, 
I mean, there's so much misinformation to begin with, but I feel like even around tying, there's a lot of misinformation and a lot of ignorance that surrounds it. And even recognizing for some people who maybe feel intimidated that like, it's not even always sexual or it doesn't even always have to be sexual. Um, so I'm also wondering, like leading up to that first experience, what was your sexuality like or your sex life like before you were introduced to someone who was like, well, versed and experienced in the kink world? So I was definitely a small town kid and I was very young when I got into this. Um, I was 20 at the time. And so I had dated an older guy actually for years, um, probably way too old for me at the time being that young. And I what I had not realized how bleak my sex life was. Um, and I had never even had an orgasm up to that point. And I had been having sex since I was 16. And so when I all of a sudden like had this freedom to say like, this is what I want. And I like when you do this, mm-hmm. it was like mind blowing to think that there was someone out there that wanted to please me. And so I learned so much about myself and, how to stand for myself and um, know what I deserve in those two years of being in this relationship um, with my partner slash Dom slash daddy, whatever you want to call him. He was all of those things and he opened my eyes. And now when I'm with other men or women, I, I know how to like lay it down on the table and I know how to give it what I got and ask for what I need, which is the most important thing because I feel like a lot of women are sometimes, um, and not even just women, but all genders are scared to do that. Scared Mm -hmm. to be like, Hey, I like this one thing. And if you do it, like we're going to have a great time. Right. Well, and I feel like, and I've, I've talked about it by myself and I've talked about it with other people a lot on this podcast, just the way that, Um, pleasure is just so generally demonized in our society. And so I feel like even approaching conversations about vanilla sex, um, it's hard to center pleasure. So I think it's really challenging. I think for many people, especially those who um, maybe aren't experiencing what feels like fulfilled sexuality, even in their vanilla um, lives, to imagine like being able to approach something that requires so much trust um and so much vulnerability and of course that's what's so wonderful about it and makes Mm -hmm. it the experience that it is and and that's certainly been my experience um but it's in it's interesting because it's also what lends to feeling that safety right and like i've talked a lot as well in this podcast about um you know, not really being able to get anything positive out of an experience if you can't feel safe in your body and in your environment. And what I've experienced in my experiences with others who are in the kink world, in the BDSM world, is that it's it's really the safest I've ever felt. The, the level of consent that is present is unlike anything I've experienced, especially with any cishet man that I've ever had any um, sexual experience with. And I think that there's just a lot of misinformation around that because it's so intense, because it's so intense. I think people, um, this conversation of safety feels like, well, how do I get to access that? But when it's required because of that intensity, it's just like a whole different realm. It really is. And the thing about consent is this was definitely when I got into the kink community was the first time I had ever 
heard people openly talk about consent. And it's such a heavy topic in the kink community and especially the rope community because you are doing something that is so dangerous. I mean, we hang ourselves upside down from ankles, from legs, from our waist, and there are so many potential accidents that could happen. There are so many vulnerable moments that we are doing and something can easily go wrong in that. And so what's the kind of interesting thing about the kink community, especially lately, um, with so much access to internet platforms, we've got FetLife, there's Instagram, there's Twitter, you know, kink is everywhere now, it's accessible. Um, I think consent is so heavy, and so that makes it when something goes wrong, it goes very wrong. And people can very much be ostracized from the community when they make a mistake. Which, for me now, as a rigger or top, if you'd like to call it, um, I am so scared to tie people sometimes because so easily could I be in the moment and do something that, you know, we call it informed consent and uninformed. So, you know, if this person was like, hey, don't touch my feet, that's a trigger, but I touch their ankle and they're triggered by that, and then they turn around and they go, you know, Senna did this, it's a terrifying thought to you know, that I have someone's life in my hands and I have someone's heart in my hands at the same time. You know, we open ourselves up when we do kink and when we do rope and it's a vulnerable moment. And if you don't take it seriously and if you don't watch yourself and openly communicate it, it's it's really sad how things can go wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think, you know, it's it's almost like a a magnifying glass on a microcosm of what exists in so many different ways in so many different places way to put it because and and i've had that experience with so many different things where it's like you can just sort of dissect this one thing through this one lens but see how it applies to so many other things in life as well but it's so interesting because it's just like i mean i'm so new to it and just in the last few months and only the few times that i've been tied by somebody who i trust completely it's just unlike anything I have ever experienced the the level of care and um, the level of trust and the vulnerability and all all of those pieces are just unlike any connection um, that I've had in any other way and it just constantly blows my mind how much we can be connected, but mm-hmm. how much it requires all of those things and how much. Um, we're just so like naturally resistant to that vulnerability and wanting to trust each other. And obviously there's a lot of vetting that needs to happen. Like it's not like um, systemic oppression doesn't um, exist within everybody who's also in the kink and BDSM community. Um, So of course vetting needs to happen, but once it does, it's like, I don't know, that trust is just unlike anything. And and for me, only being a few months in, and so I just can't even imagine like how strong um, relationships can be built to when experiencing such deep levels of intimacy with others. Definitely. Yeah, it's... I don't think my relationship with my partner would have been what it was if we didn't have rope. I think it was definitely our common ground, especially in such a large age difference with us. Um, And it was just, you can feel when someone is putting so much intention into what they're doing. And um, you just, 
you can tell when someone's like, oh, let's, you know, let's lab this out. Let's practice this thing. And you can feel like, okay, they're putting purpose into this, but are they putting their heart and soul into this? Are they, you know, touching me a certain way? Are they kind of hugging me when they wrap something around my body? Um, In one of my previous Instagram posts, I talked about the vulnerability and just having someone put their arms around you, especially being a plus size body. Um, You know, some, I have partners who can't, you know, reach all the way around me because they're, you know, a quarter of my size, but Mm -hmm. you can feel when they, are trying and when they're putting care into it and even though you know their hands don't touch on the other side of me all of me is wrapped up in them and that's a feeling that I've never experienced before besides in rope specifically I'm into a ton of other kinks but I really don't think there's anything as connective as doing rope bondage just because you're putting so much into somebody you're you're giving yourself your time, your effort, your strength into another being. And I think that's um, a really heavy gift to give somebody. Absolutely. I mean, that was so, so beautifully said. And just even (laughs) the way that you started saying that and that it felt like a hug, I was like giggling to myself (laughs) because my very first, like the first uh, photos that I ever had of my first rope experience, I remember writing on the photo that it felt like um, a a kinky, a really big kinky hug from like a caring (laughs) friend or something like that. And I love that you're making this connection between being in a larger body and like really appreciating the sensation of like pressure and rope and I relate to that so much it's so nice to hear you talk about that because that feeling of like having pressure on you when you feel like uh you take up a lot of space uh physically or it's something that's on your mind mentally or it's part of your emotional state uh day to day just because of the society we live in to have that pressure on you whether it's someone giving you that hug like you said or to have the rope be put around you I I agree so strongly that it feels like this amazingly safe um, hug in a way that almost like makes me feel small, but not mm-hmm. in a negative way, in like right. a really beautiful way where it's like I can just um, almost shed the things that make me feel like I'm too much or something. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why uh, suspension is a really big part of my rope practice. It's something that I love and it's something I really cherish because I, <laughs> I always joke like, I don't really like to fly like on planes or do jumping or live on second stories. I was like, I'm a big gal. Like I don't leave the ground voluntarily (laughs) and suspension, you know, rope bondage being tied to the ceiling to, you know, whether it's bamboo or a tree or a metal point, you know, you're being lifted off the ground. You know, the whole 200 something pounds of my ass are being lifted. And the fact that rope is able to make me feel so weightless is beyond me. You know, it's, I've only experienced it maybe three times in the almost three years I've been doing this that I have been able to let go and to just stop in my tracks and just relax and not feel pressure here more than there or numbness or tingling or any of, you know, the complications that come with such an edge play kink but to just be in the air and like nobody can get me, you know, it's this, you almost, I feel like I leave my body and I am like my true form in that moment 
because I'm not having to worry about what my thighs or my stomach look like or how I feel or what people think because in that moment it's just me and my partner and really just me. <laughs> like I, in my vanilla life, as I call it, I am a boss. I am an educator. I run a business. I am constantly giving to other people and I'm constantly on the go. And I know so many people like that. And so to have this kind of escape to just let go of all of those things and to not be in control and to not be the person who is doing everything is amazing. And even as myself, as a rigger, as a top, I do get to experience that in some ways because I, I can feel what my bottom, what my partner is giving to me, the vulnerability that they're feeding into me. I don't feel like I'm having to pour out of an empty cup. I feel like they are equally filling my cup and we're doing something together, which is just magical. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's such a mutual and present experience. And that's what it, it just it requires you to be present in a way that um, my vanilla sexual experience is like I, I can be present, but it kind of comes and goes. And it's it's just a little bit different. <laughs> Whereas like if you're getting flogged or like you're getting <laughs> tied or you're tying or, you know, whatever is going on, like the way that it requires a different kind of presence, I think, then um other things do not that it like should be that way but I think that it can just really be hard I feel like minds float very easily like or mine does at least especially during my no, uh, vanilla yeah. sexual experiences but when I am engaged in rope play or kink play I am so present and I want to be present because the care as you were just saying is so deep there's like nowhere else I'd rather be right yeah it's just uh it's, it's a lot different. I, I totally get what you mean, like zoning out in vanilla sex, which there's great vanilla sex out there, but there's also yeah. just really nothing that compares to like having your face shoved in a mattress and your hair being pulled simultaneously. Right. I'm like, dying. That's my love language right there. <laughs> right. And it's like, it's not for everybody. Like, and it's not that you can't have amazing vanilla sex. You definitely can. And like, you can be completely present, connected, have the strong trust, all of those things. But um, I don't know. I, I just... I think there's just really something to be said for sort of this this other realm and this other layer of it and also just like the amount of shedding that can come from it. And we've touched on it a bit from like just the marginalized lens of being a fat person and then the specific ways that uh, those traumas and triggers come up, but in a very cathartic way through the process, like you were saying about being tied or being suspended and just like having that chance to to feel completely weightless in the sense that like you're no longer carrying the things with you that like, you know, others are putting on you or you've held with you your whole life because of how society sees you. And so I can also imagine, and and of course it makes perfect perfect sense how this intersects with the queer community just in general and uh, marginalized communities in general and having these different outlets for expression and also these these deeply intimate spaces to feel um, the kind of trust and care and security that maybe they slash we don't feel in um, other ways in our day-to-day -day lives. Yeah, it, it was a solid six months, I think, going into rope before I saw another plus-size body um, let alone a woman tying people. I yes. went into it thinking that, you know, 
cis guy ties cis girl cis guy fucks cis girl like (laughs) that was all I knew and granted the partner I was dating was a bisexual cis male like a bottom bisexual cis male so I really got the best of all worlds in my eye-opening experience to become like in the queer community like my partner was kind of this non-normative queer like you don't hear a lot of the you know the tough dom guys being a bottom in gay sex right it's not a thing and so I went into this being like sex with rope is fun you know dude on dude is awesome and then you know I'm in the midst of that and then all of a sudden I started getting deep into the community and I was being shunned for being fat my partner was being shunned for being bisexual and I was like wait a second how are you going to call yourself this inclusive community this inclusive space when there's no people of color there's no people of color in leadership there's no people of size you know you've cool you've got um gay women but let me see the gay guys here let me see the bisexual guys let me see the transgender people like what is this categorized community that you have here yep and I really think it took about a year for that glass ceiling to break and you know I can name a handful of people and I like to think including myself that I kind of shook the waters there a little bit and I kind of made people uncomfortable and I made them question like Am I being inclusive? Am I, you know, tying people for the right reasons? Am I giving someone a a good reason to when I say no? Because you can be inclusive and still not want to tie someone. Like, I, the biggest thing that kind of, um, I took Instagram by storm a few years ago. And again, recently was I had approached a rigger about tying me. Um, He was reaching out for models. And so I said, hey, I would love to do this. I'm, you know, happy to drive. No need to pay me. This is just for my enjoyment. And he said, no, like, you don't really, you don't really match that aesthetic that I'm looking for. And I was like, what? First off, who uses aesthetic anymore as a as Wait. a descriptor (laughs) it's so funny that you used that word because as you were describing all of this i'm sitting here thinking to myself it's all about what people think is aesthetically pleasing literally it's just so fun so like again about the microcosm of everything like i'm thinking back to my like what now feels like my past life is this like person in the, in the well, in the wellness world. Um, and like very much in in the yoga world and, you know, you go to the explore feed on Instagram and like, of course, all you're seeing over and over again is thin, um, cis white women in like acrobatic yoga postures over and over again. And then what I've noticed from my new, like tiny private account that I'm not announcing (laughs) on the podcast, um, what I've, what, <laughs> what I've noticed through that and now like through following um other people who are tying and being tied, I go to the explore page and it's the same fucking thing again. And I'm just like, <laughs> like where is everybody? Like it's exactly. just so it's so wild to see that over and over and over again. And it's just like, I know that that just fits the standard that fits the aesthetic. It's like these long lean bodies and rope making these beautiful shapes. And then like, of, as you said, to see someone like you, something like your page where it's like, no, I have roles. Like, no, this is like not what you're used to seeing and to literally shock people because I'm so used to even like on that large account that I used to have, 
I'd post uh, photos of myself, like either nude or semi-nude, and have things deleted just because my body is larger and because I'm being sexualized in that mm -hmm. way versus the, the thin woman next to me who can have her entire body out and for some reason it's not sexualized in the same way. And I can see that again translating over to the the rope community, the kink community, where it's just even within that community, it's like you're overly sexualized or you're overly like vulgar or something for being seen or exposed or vulnerable in the same way as someone who has this like um, uh, acceptable body. Definitely. And I've had that exact same thing happen. I often tie semi-naked and so I'll have to pixelate like my areolas or my bits, but my boobs, I mean, they're literally F's. Like I think I'm hitting a G somewhere yeah. in here, but <laughs> even with the whole areola pixelated because of the size of my boobs, I've had numerous photos just continuously deleted. And it's really just, you know, I have to pick and choose now what I post because of the size of the platform I have. I don't want to risk, you know, so many queer and kink and people of color and people of size are being just deleted from Instagram lately. Yep. Um, I just had a friend, a person of color be deleted from Instagram for speaking up about people of color and mental illness. And it's just like, Oh yes. I, I follow that same yes. person actually. And, just, and I saw that happening mm -hmm. and realizing that it's, you know, we, we all came to this kink community to escape the troubles of our day-to-day -day lives, to get away from our nine-to-five, from sitting in traffic, from our shit relationships, and just to realize, like you said, we're just marginalized in the kink community as well. But that is because we have taken it and become so public. You know, we are... Instagram is huge now in the kink community. I have so many friends that don't even touch FetLife anymore because they're like, Instagram is user-friendly and I like it and it's better. And, you know, Twitter is uncensored, so I might as well use that. And so really Instagram's the only one that I've seen a huge problem in um, with bodies of size and bodies of color and just people speaking out, um, becoming so silenced in ways and so I really try to take the time on each one of my pictures to say something meaningful and to say something that gets the message across. Like, no, it's not just a half naked photo of me. Like, this is what happened in this picture. This is what I experienced. And this, you know, this is what tons of other people are experiencing, but they don't have the voice yet to talk about it. I mean, my inbox is filled half the time with mainly cis queer women just saying like, thank you. Like, I didn't think I could do this, but then I saw you and I'm like, fuck yeah, let's do it. And so <laughs> that's been the most fulfilling thing for me is, you know, I raised hell and I made some noise and now all these other people feel like they have, um, a platform of their own now and they have the confidence and they have the body awareness and the self positivity to do something as vulnerable as this. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And that, that language that you're using, I'm like, again, giggling to myself because it sounds very familiar yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> to my, my experience in, in the last few years. But, and, and I, and it always brings me back to like, what a shame it is though, at, at the same mm -hmm. time that like people need to see it. Like, I, I remember always thinking to myself, like, 
how much it sucks <laughs> that people um, needed to see pictures of me like in strong postures to know that they could do it. And I get why. And like, it's a beautiful thing to to share that community and to uplift others. But at the same time, it's like so disheartening um, to think that that visibility um, is needed so strongly just even to kind of get people in the door. And that's really why I wanted to talk to you. It, you know, I know so many people who listen to my podcast and who have been following for years are, are people of size, especially women and femmes of size. And I think um, speaking up for our pleasure can be really, really hard just in general. You know, in my first season of this podcast, I talked a lot about um, just sort of sexuality and my own personal growth through that. And even, even, even in my vanilla life, being able to speak up for my pleasure, um, and not just sort of be centering the ego of, uh, my partner for the, the sake of my own validation in my body. And so I think, um, it's just, I, I hope through this conversation and, and through whoever might be listening that they could be encouraged that, not only can they speak up for their pleasure, you know, in whatever ways feels fit to them, but also that there is space as well. And there are people who will bring that trust and who will uh, bring the extra rope <laughs> and like figure out how to tie you and your body or, you know, whatever it is that you want to get engaged in, that there are, there are people, it's the same conversation translates in so many ways that there are people, there is a community who will care and who will always make space for you. Right. And I, I wonder a lot of times what um, what I would be like and who I would be if, you know, little 20-year-old me hadn't been told I was too fat for something or had been turned down so many times. And maybe what if I had been the one that saw someone else's, you know, uplifting Instagram post? Would, would I have a different aspect, outlook of some sort on this? You know, who would I yeah. be? But I also feel very fortunate that I had so many people in my life that were so encouraging and so uplifting. And I had a partner who was constantly telling me how beautiful I was and proving to me that I was capable of any of the things that I wanted to do. And I I was so bad. I would, I would find these Instagram photos of girls tied up in these crazy poses. And I would go to him and I would be like, I want to do this. Like, can we try this? And he would kind of look at me and he'd be like, all right, let's do it. And so many times we as a team would fail, not because he was inadequate or I was inadequate, but sometimes our bodies just don't do things. And I think that was a big part of my acceptance with rope was not having someone tell me, no, you can't do it. But me saying, hey, my body doesn't move that way and that's okay, but it doesn't mean that I'm not capable of other things. Um, one of my favorite people in the rope community, she was a ballerina and she can do the splits and this and that, but she can't sit in a bridge pose, a hip harness. And I can sit in that all day long, but you'll never catch me in the splits. And right. so it was this moment of being like, you know, she is this perfect ballerina, this size three, beautiful little thing. And I'm just this Michelin man. But we have strengths and weaknesses and we complement each other and there's no need for us to bash each other for what one can do and the other cannot. And that was a huge lesson that I wish I had learned really early on. But it's something that I try to communicate to people, especially that now I'm um, teaching classes and teaching classes, especially to big body people to say that like 
Sometimes you're going to get into this and it's not going to work. And that doesn't mean you're not a good rope bottom. It doesn't mean your partner's not a good rope top. It just means that there's something else that's better for you. Absolutely. The community talks about it, but not enough. Um, You see now a lot bottoming education is becoming a thing, but even then we need to just, we need to shout that from the rooftops now, like bottoming education, bottoming awareness needs to be a thing. There needs to be a space for bottoms of all different shapes, sizes and colors and whatever else that can communicate and talk about these things because, you know, there, we, we talk about the community a lot and as, great as it is there's a lot of cracks and there's a lot of things that need to be worked on and repaired and so sometimes I try to get myself in check that yes this community has been amazing but it's not everything like I am what makes this for me not the community it's me it's my partner and the great friends that surround me and at the end of the day if you have a community around you that's even better but don't rely on them to give you everything because we've all kind of fought for our spot. We've all fought to find ourselves and to find who we are because we're all in our own little battle. We're all trying to figure something out no matter what age we are. I mean, I know people who are in their 50s, their 40s, their 30s. I'm still in my 20s and I'm figuring shit out. And I think it's just... It's such a a modgepodge of things. I just, I don't think there's really a lot of words for it. How individual and how interesting this thing we do is. Yeah, totally. And I I love that you hit on um, the importance of accessibility. And again, I'm seeing so many parallels to um, my experience again, just uh, within the yoga world that like this sort of uh, innate ableism that's ingrained in all of us and to see it again in this, in the the rope community and the ways that you're expressing um, and that accessibility and adaptability are really the keys mm-hmm. to making the experience, um, you know, equanimously accessible to everybody. And um, I've experienced that exact same thing. And it's it's sort of almost been my own shift. I mean, I, I recall entering the, the yoga world and sort of um, really striving, and I've talked about this on here, but sort of striving for these strong postures because I kind of felt like I needed to do that versus mm-hmm. softening to this place where I just listen and work with my body. And it's, it's, um, it's teamwork almost with just my body and, and what it can do that day um, and, and what its uh, limitations are and honoring and respecting that exactly as you said. So it's like, if you're going to get yourself into a yoga posture or you're going to get yourself into uh, a posture where you're going to be tied and your, your arms can't wrap around your legs, right. Or whatever it is, like you, you go as far as you can go or you find a different way. And like, that's the beauty of it is, is you meeting your body where it's at your partner meeting you where you're at, you know, everything kind of coming together to this like beautiful midpoint where it's like, ah, (laughs) I love how much yoga and rope correlate to each other. And I have a lot of friends who are yoga teachers and instructors and a lot of their work has helped me so much because flexibility is such a thing and because self-awareness and body awareness um, correlates so much with rope I think it's so important that you know if you um, if you put those two together they really help each other they they go hand in hand and um, 
I'll, I'll send you some links of people if you want to post um, in this that are great bottom educators that I would love to share, but I don't want to throw out any names without, I didn't ask for any consent. So that's, you know, right. that's one of those moments of consent. Like, no, I didn't touch somebody, but me throwing out their Instagram handle. You know, right. That's totally a form of consent. But yeah, there's, no, absolutely. There's, there's so many great people out there that are doing really good work. I think you're doing really amazing work and everything you do. And I, love this opportunity to like be here and just I mean this is my passion like I really found myself in rope um my favorite thing that my ex-partner says to me a lot is he always jokes he will be like I don't recognize you anymore and I'm like what are you talking about like I look the same you know my hair has not changed my height my weight I'm the same and he's like no he's like look at yourself like I have a photo of the the first time I went to his house and I had just this I had so much makeup on and my hair was like perfectly curled. I was like ready for that first date. Little did I know what I was going to get myself into. Um, But he had, you know, I have all these really hot photos from that night, but there's this one picture that I think he snapped accidentally. Like, you know, he was putting the camera down and you can see almost the sadness in my face. And a little less than two years ago, right when we were separating, he took, about the same picture of me um, and I had no makeup on and I have naturally curly hair and so my my hair was in my face and I just my skin looked I was like glowing it was just a it was a part of me I had never seen and he would tell me like you're you were a little girl a little scared girl then he was like you're a woman now like you have grown in this and I have so many because I'm the baby of all of my friends in the community and the group everybody's joking like here comes Senna you know little little miss thing coming around and everyone it just always talking about how much I've changed and it it's really amazing to be like like thank god I changed for the better (laughs) like that's that's what's great and I feel like I love myself so much more now I can stand up for myself. I know what I want in life, and I'm just yeah. not scared anymore. I really was a scared little girl, and I'm really thankful that Rope was able to give that to me because now I am fearless, <laughs> and yeah. I'm even louder than I was before. <laughs> <laughs> I am totally here for that. No, I love it. I mean, it is. It's amazingly empowering. I mean, I think, um, you know, anybody who has had uh, really great connected intimate experiences of any kind can relate to the feeling of walking away feeling like kind of your most empowered self. And it's one of like the greatest like afterglow feelings of really deep intimacy. And um, to be able to grow through that is just one of the most beautiful things. And it's su- it's such a, a privilege and a pleasure to talk with you because I feel so excited about this just like new journey that I'm on and the the possibility for so much growth here. And even the way that you were saying, you see so many parallels between the rope community um, and the yoga community. And actually the, the person who ties me sometimes um, used to... Uh, Uh, have a partner, someone in the yoga community who I know very well. Like I've just come, I've bumped into so many different overlaps. And I think that, yes, the flexibility and the, and the body awareness is, is all a part of it. But I really feel like it's, it's the self-awareness and the connection Mm -hmm. to the body. Like I just, 
it feels like such a natural progression for me personally to have gone through this process of really kind of hating my body most of my life, being really disconnected from it, then going through my yoga practice, which finally brought me back into my body for the first time, and then slowly over the years bringing me to this place of really feeling accepting and comfortable um, in my skin and as my body changes and and um, and grows and expands that that's okay too. And now I see so clearly how all of these pieces have come together to um, sort of open these doors for me to have these really amazing experiences because I am finally at this place where I am embodied instead of so disconnected. And it, it is this mm -hmm. physical thing, but it's also emotional and spiritual and mental. And um, without my yoga practice, I know for sure that I wouldn't even be, uh, I wouldn't be open. I wouldn't even be looking into being tied, even though I've been a total perv my whole life. <laughs> um, the acceptance wouldn't be there and the the body um, embodiment wouldn't be there. So I see the parallel so strongly and all and how I would not be having this conversation with you right now had I not had a yoga practice for the last five years. Exactly. I can't even imagine who I would be sitting right now. Like I don't even think I would have left my small town. I think I would I would still be like living on a farm somewhere and now I'm I'm in downtown Austin and I I'm just like living my dream and my dream hasn't even started. Like I know it's just going to get better from here. And that's I absolutely it's amazing that. to say, cause I don't, I don't reflect on that a lot because I'm, my life is so busy. It's so crazy all the time. I am always on the go. Like I, I literally took a sick date today. I was like, the world needs to stop turning for just five <laughs> minutes. Um, but like I got to go to Hobby Lobby y'all like <laughs> <laughs> not for kinky things either. You'd be surprised I'm how done. many crafts you could get there. <laughs> really Home Depot was the place to go. Oh, <laughs> Oh, all of us secretly in the Home Depot. I am laughing. I, I, when I, that's cracking me up because when I was in high school, all of my gay friends would call it the Homo Depot, oh. <laughs> and it's like just cracking me up thinking about all of us going in there to like buy kinky things. Oh yeah, I mean, I have a friend that's posting at least weekly that he buys something weird from Home Depot, <laughs> and he just like shows up to our weekly rope lab, and he's like, "Who can I put this on?" And I'm like. <laughs> What? I love it. And it's it's really so fun. Cute. I found my, for the first time, my, my parents were building a new building, and my dad was had me tie this knot, and I knew how to do it a little too quickly. And he, like, looked over, and he was like, why do you know that? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, man, I got to put this stuff in check. You know, we're, we're leaking out into the public slowly. We've got... Learning, learning to be a sailor. <laughs> we're doing this on the farm, like... Mm -mm, bring it back in. Bring it back in. That is so funny. I absolutely love it. Well, I'm going to be coming to Austin just so that I can see you sometime soon. That's for sure. Place to stay with me all day long. I want you here. <laughs> I love it. And I I just got my first uh my first rope and I'm like really excited to start just like playing learning how to self-tie and I totally want to like I got to learn how to tie people. I just already know that yeah. my whole dom side just needs needs it. I can feel it. It's so funny when I mean I've been tying other people for about a year and a half now and everybody always describes me as this like giggly top 
And we had a party about two weeks ago and I just kind of, uh, my friend and I negotiated and she was like, I want you to like let loose on me. You know, I will, I will say red when needed. Yeah. And the, the whole room kind of stopped in this moment. Like I was whipping her still kind of giggling. And then I had this <laughs> thought, where I was like, I'm going to do breath play, but I'm going to suffocate her with my boobs. And it's like, everybody in the room just like turned and was like, did Senna just do that? Like, who is she? And everybody was like, yeah, yeah. Your Dom side came out in that moment. And I was like, <laughs> I gotta do is use the boobs. Like, I love it. it. Use what you got. It's amazing. <laughs> so good. Well, yeah, I will definitely, I'm going to come see you for sure. Cause I just like need to be tied. Oh my God. And I need to be suspended. I can't even like, I can't even imagine how amazing that feels like. Yeah, so good. Right. Okay. Anyway, I don't know how we've already been talking for almost an hour, but we have, <laughs> so we got to wrap it up. Do you want to share your social? Yeah. So, um, my Instagram is Cinnaray, C-Y-N-N-A-R-A-E. It's a private account. If you look super creepy, I probably won't accept, but I will do my best. Um, it, uh, all of my accounts are pretty much under Cinna. If you can find that, you'll find me, um, Twitter as well as Cinnaray. And I just welcome all queer, fat, all size bodies, people of color to just, um, come say hi, because I want to be there to support people. And I thrive off of the support that they give me. It's definitely a, 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 a team effort, even on social media, you know, my platforms wouldn't be what they are if I didn't have people there to say like, I've got the spoons to listen to you. Like, let's do it. So absolutely. Yeah, an array. Totally amazing okay great well thank you so much for chatting with me today and for everybody who is listening thank you for tuning into deep dive and if you're listening on itunes i appreciate your positive review <laughs> and rating um and you can tune in pretty much anywhere that you listen to podcasts and on instagram it's uh, at deep dive podcast um and i think that's all the goodies uh anything else you have to say just want you to come to Austin. That's really I'm all coming. I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming. Yeah, I have to. I actually have a yoga thing in Colorado in June, and I think I'm gonna attach. I'm gonna <laughs> attach an Austin trip to that. So I'll see you in June. Thanks <laughs> for having me yes. and for letting me speak my heart because this is a really important thing for me, and I'm just I'm really excited to share that with people. I'm so glad. Thank you so much for sharing and being vulnerable and bringing uh, all of your experiences and knowledge to the table. Hi, friends. Dana here. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Deep Dive. If you want more radical truth, make sure you subscribe. You can also keep up with me across social media at Dana Falsetti or visit my website, danafalsetti.com to find workshops, speaking engagements, or take an online class. See you next time.